I can imagine just Bruce Willis in his like trailer, like, like screaming and like loads of people like, is he okay? Is he all right? It's yeah. process. Yeah, yeah, it's just this process. It's crazy. <laughs> Welcome to another edition of The Human Podcast. I'm your host, Tim Spencer, and I am back doing my first podcast for, for quite some time uh, after just, I don't know, kind of being stuck in work these last few months like, like the rest of us. Uh, I'm really fortunate to be able to sit here today with one of my, one of my best friends here in Madrid, Tom Hassel, uh, and we're going to be talking about yes. some, some acting stuff today. How's it going, Tom? Yeah, it's going really well. It's going really well. I feel uh, back at home. Mm-hmm. After nice. your your trip back to the UK for yeah, Christmas, feeling in the right place. Absolutely, yeah. absolutely. You know, I'm bringing in Tom today to talk about acting uh, and to talk about the process that actors and aspiring actors go through and will have to go through in order to prepare for doing different things. But also, kind of just the mentality of someone who who's looking to be on screen. Kind of what that means socially for you, but also what that means in regards to how you interact with the visual media and like uh, TV and film as someone who wants to be a part of it. And I feel like there's no better place to start than, you know, you as a kid. Yeah, so I'm sure yeah. going back home, like those things are kind of more, more fresh in mind maybe. But so can you just kind of give us, uh, give us an idea of maybe not when you first started acting per se, but when you first started to feel some sort of a pull to the screen, as it were? I think my vision of theatre is very much based on my childhood anyway because I used to like playing pretend, you know? I like pretending to be like characters that I wasn't, of course. Mm-hmm. And my mum was in theatre, yeah. My mum was in theatre and um, and she played the pirate in Pirates of Penzance. Mm-hmm. And I was like, what? You can actually like mm-hmm. like play dress up in real life on stage? And I think that that's must, what got me. That must have been so crazy to see someone so close in your life part, to participate in something like that. Because I feel like for so many of us, we can see people on, you know, on stage. Yeah, think, yeah. That'd be great if I could do that. But I don't know that person. That person's separate to me. But you actually knew that person. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was pretty inspiring, actually. Mm-hmm. Really inspiring. But um, I didn't know that, that that was a thing I could do as a kid. I think I was just running around doing whatever. Doing what all kids do, yeah, just having yeah. fun. But my mum forced me into, well, so forced me, like, <laughs> uh, she said, we, we've got some drama clubs, she put me into loads of different clubs when I was young. Mm-hmm. Um, so I tried a lot, of, a lot of things out, really. But when it got to going to the drama club, and my first ever performance was Wizard of Oz, and I was the biggest munchkin there. <laughs> yeah, at the at the age of I don't know, it was probably fourteen, thirteen, fourteen. Yeah, I played like a very tall munchkin while all the others were at a eleven, twelve year old age, and I was big for my for my age as well. I was very big, so it was. What was um, the What was the role of the What was the role of the munchkin? Were there any like sound effects, any noises that were being made? I'd have to make my munchkin noise, of course. Yeah, <laughs> yes, you know? of I, I don't remember what that is right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I actually got promoted. I got okay. given another role on my first day as kind of like a chief guard of the evil witches, and they mm-hmm. sing they sing the song "Ding Dong, the witch is dead." And I don't know. As a as a child, I was like, "Hey, I, I'm, I'm 
I'm playing a munchkin. I got promoted to like chief guard as well. I was like, this is enjoyable. And, yes. I, and that's where I met my community, the, mm-hmm. the acting community, the people that were, that I were friends with, that loved the acting life and it, they didn't really care what it was. And I grew up like knowing a lot of those people. Can you elaborate on, on that community? Because I feel like all of us as kids, we're all looking to find a community, mm. whether that's your, your class at school, whether that's an after school club, whether that's sport, whether that's theater, whether that's music. I think beyond the, the practice of that specific craft, there's a group of people to connect with and to share identity with. Can you kind of speak on what that, what that culture was like, maybe onset or offset as, as, as a teenager, as a young kid, hanging out with people and being like, hey, this is, this is cool. Like, I like that we're doing this. I'm having a good time, mm-hmm. you know? It, it was it was really bizarre, that's for sure, mm-hmm. and of course dramatic. <laughs> like, I spent all of my years up to when I first did Wizard of Oz, up to um, I think I was about nineteen. I did amateur dramatics, mm-hmm. and the place where I'm I'm from, which is Banbury near Oxford, they they love their amateur dramatics there. Mm-hmm. I absolutely love it, and it was a big thing, and so there was. There was groups of people like you'd have in the US with jocks, etc., etc. Yes. Did have the drama nerds. Yes. More or less. But like in this space, those drama people, it seems like they were really supported. You know, yeah. like there was the support from the greater community for this type of work. Yeah, we, we really made our own community. This amateur dramatics, like they felt like family in the summer when we we're in summer school. I, I was meeting up with my other brother and sisters again. Mm-hmm. And my best friends would do it every year as well, so we'd do it together. And I enjoyed it so much. But the older that I got, when it got to about 16, 17, amateur started to become quite questionable. In, to what, some in, people. in, in what sense? We had some amazing actors, singers, and performers that would come through like when we were about 16, 17. And they were the talent. They were the talent. You could see them striving forward. And mm-hmm. it looked amazing. It, it was brilliant. And I didn't know where I stood. So there were some people that just didn't have the, t- um, the maybe the confidence to strive forward. Was sometimes overwhelmed by those people that just had the pure talent and, and the best parts and mm-hmm. um, straight away. And, and it's kind of like this feeling of, of seeing someone appear maybe... Mm. Uh, be so elite at, at such a similar age to to someone else, and that person maybe seeing that and being like, "Well, if I'm not at that level by this point, mm. then maybe I'm I'm just at a different level or I'm on a different path." Um, is yeah. that that's kind of what it was like? Yeah, yeah, definitely. I, I felt yeah. like there was also the act of competition there as well. Mm-hmm. You know, like it, it wasn't just fun playing up, dressing up anymore. Definitely at an older age, like. We were showing our talents. We were trying to get the main parts, you yes. know. So amateur dramatics is, is, is a great community for you to get out and express yourself and meet people that also want to express themselves. There's a great community for that. But then there is also just the aspect of people not, not feeling they're better than other people mm-hmm. because of their talents and things like that. It's Sometimes it does get quite um, degrading yeah. in, a, in a fact. But I continue to strive in, in the acting world. It's interesting you, you, you used this word earlier, uh, and I feel like it's such a, a crucial part of everything that we'll, that we'll speak on, but it's uh, confidence. 
my domain being sports, it's, it's very similar. And the ability to perform in, in large is due in part to the, to the belief that you can perform, the belief that you have prepared in order to perform. Mm-hmm. And I wonder what it's like uh, as you're transitioning from amateur dramatics into more serious stuff, focusing more maybe on that competition. What are the, what are the things that can really give a, a young actor confidence and make them feel like I'm on the right path, like I'm crushing this, whatever it may be, versus maybe something that's like, oh my God, that fucking crushed me. Yeah. Yeah. The the act of not getting a part, there's something not there that you can't get. Yeah. You know, because I don't know you're not talented enough for anything. Like having to think about that every day and it's being tough. scared yeah, of the yeah. like auditions that I have and being yeah not getting the part. Of it's, course. Uh, it's always tough. But I'd say. Think about yourself first mm-hmm. before anyone else. That is just the first step. And if if you have the energy, the strive, try and find that to to um, do something big. Maybe maybe your own project and put your own project forward. Mm-hmm. But if you can't find it out there, find it in yourself to do something. I think that's a beautiful thing to say. Also because and maybe transition to a bit of a different topic. I think most people in their occupations are always looking to find a sense of meaning, a sense of purpose, whatever that might be. And it it comes in all different shapes and sizes and forms. How significant is it to be able to partake in any form of production where you feel like the story that you're taking part in and that you're bringing to life is something that you're behind, you feel like is a good story, is a cool story, is a story that you want to be told how does that change a confidence level or participation engagement level versus being like, hey, I'm in this production because these are my people, this is the community I'm in, but maybe this role, I don't feel like it represents me well or I'm not really, I'm not really into it. But that, I feel like that must play a role in the, the confidence or belief to perform. Yeah, yeah. Knowing that you have a community there with you knowing that you have kind of friends that are supportive and you're all doing this together instead of some form of competition. Yeah. And status as well throughout the whole whole production of whatever. It's difficult. It's difficult to to be in that community and not know that have those better roles and want those better roles. Maybe mm-hmm. you're in a smaller role, but if you know that you're surrounded by people that enjoy their job yes. and you're enjoying your job as well, I'd take that any day. For sure. Yeah. For sure. Opposed to having the lead role, but the culture of the cast you're working with, it's really, it's not what you want. Yeah, you know? exactly. It's, exactly. It's, I think it's these trade-offs that, uh, that everyone finds mm. of, okay, there are always going to be pros and cons. I'm going to work somewhere. I'm going to take part in something where maybe I have the, the lead role, but the person running the show, the director, I don't like the way that they speak to me. You know, versus like I have a really small role, but I love coming to work every single day. You know, yeah. um, and I think when and we were talking, you know, pre-recording about some other stuff, but we were talking about like perceptions and narratives that people people form for you. Like young actors are, are probably told something along the lines of like, you know, you have to have the main role, you have to go for these these top parts, and if you're not getting these top parts, then it's saying something about who you might be as a performer 
or as someone on stage where in reality like there's so many things we can and can't control mm. what if someone getting small parts says less about them more about the people running the show and they're still doing a great job of what they're doing they're happy what's wrong with that yeah yeah there's nothing wrong with that at all right there's nothing wrong with that at all yeah i just wish that i don't know there was a better way of displaying your your talents your performances i know that like online you get this website called uh, mandy or casting call pro mm -hmm. like these websites where you put your profile and things in i wish it was better than that i wish i don't know they could just see a full performance of me yes which you can do you can post on youtube and things like that but like a way of getting that round and getting that seen around different agencies and mm -hmm stuff i wish that be made for young people and i bet there is an app out there actually but um but i would have known because <laughs> i'll be on it exactly. you know exactly um transitioning uh, a little bit from personal experiences i mm. want to just kind of going back to or, or sticking with you in this in this younger age were there any actors or shows that really stuck out to you in in regards to enjoyment of course but also with that that young actor's eye of yours watching it and being like there's something interesting here like there's something beyond the fact that yeah he, this is actor or actress is doing a good job and i'm into it but there's something here that i'm gonna take or that there's something here it's like mm, they're doing something different mm. by the time i was like 18 18 was the time where I really got into TV, really got into movies and things like that. I'm, I'm properly kind of grown up in the fact that I would just watch and watch and watch everything. Mm -hmm. But when I was young, I'd go to a lot of plays and stuff. And I watched like just the normal TV. Sometimes some people had broadband, but I only had Channel 1, Channel 2, Channel 3. Mm -hmm. And Channel 2 always had Mr. Bean on. So Rowan Atkinson has oh, been like... brilliant. Rowan Atkinson, brilliant. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's, it's been like an actor that I've been brought up with, I guess, because anything that he's in, I've wanted to watch with Blackadder, Mr. Mr. Bean Goes on Holiday, or whatever yeah. like that. Johnny English. Yeah, exactly, exactly. He's, yeah, I just love him as a comedian, mm -hmm. as, a, as an actor, and what caused me to go into kind of physical comedy and physical stuff at university. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. Uh, and also Ralph Fiennes. I, I went out on my 17th birthday. I saw him in London playing The Tempest. And I was mm -hmm. like, I'm going to see Shakespeare on my birthday. Like, this is not going to be good whatsoever. <laughs> like, like, I'm going to be bored as anything. And I didn't know who Ralph Fiennes was at mm -hmm. the time. And um, so we sat down him play Prospero like a wizard in, on an island mm -hmm. and I loved it I thought it was amazing like I was really into kind of like Lord of the Rings at the time so like I, I would get the wizard aspect and I was like yes yes this is brilliant and that that was another drive mm -hmm. like seeing that and seeing seeing an amazing actor do a performance like that mm -hmm. it's crazy both of those actors, um, Rowan Atkinson and, and Ralph Fiennes, are both very physical yeah, in what they do in, in different ways. When I think of Ralph Fiennes um, in the Grand Budapest, for example, uh, or if I think of mm -hmm. him uh, them up, as Vol or he, he who shall not be named, oh, some, some, whoa, someone whoa, like to say. Sorry, God, uh, that no, that's okay. <laughs> we're, we, we, can, we can use that name on this on this podcast. I'm, okay. I'm, 
I've, I've matured. Um, <laughs> I think in both of those roles, you, you see him... I mean, listen, I'm, I'm an outsider to, to the world. That being said, I feel like watching him, it's just like he feels it. And it's, very, it's an oversimplification, of course, but it's a feeling that's transmitted to the viewer. Right? Mm. I'm sure all actors, all elite actors and actresses, um, they, they feel their craft. Mm. The matter of transmitting that is a whole nother thing. And with both of these people that you cited, both of them give off this, this energy within their role where, I mean, I don't know, especially growing up, I don't know if I ever thought of Mr. Bean as Rowan Atkinson. It was, that guy's Mr. Bean. Well, yeah. You know? Mm. Uh, and Ralph Fiennes, I, I don't necessarily think of him as his own person all that much. I think of him in his different roles. Mm. And that's not to make any claim on, you know, the level of these people. It, I think it's more just interesting. And it makes sense that those are people that may have jumped out to you and been like, ooh, that's interesting. I want to maybe try to emulate that type of energy, that type mm. of um, feel that's being given off, you know? I think, I think it's because with Rowan Atkinson, what I loved the most about him and what I always grabbed was his comic timing. Mm-hmm. Like his comic timing is what grabbed me. So that like was what stuck with me and has stuck with me since. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Rowan Atkinson was comic timing and then Ralph Fiennes with his believability. And I think being an actor and a comedian, like that, there is a, there is a difference, but like for Ralph Fiennes to play Prospero, like you, you've got to make him believe because you're, you're sitting on a stage with other people you know, they, mm-hmm. they've got to try and make you believe that they are a character on the stage when it's a play. Definitely. And and he does that. This is believability. Like even I don't see Ralph Fiennes being being Voldemort. Mm-hmm. Like not not at all. It's like the Joker and Heath Ledger as well. So those actors had the believability because they go by method acting. Mm-hmm. Well, I know that um, Heath Ledger does, but. Don't know about Ralph Fiennes, but his believability is is amazing. Do you feel like part of achieving that believability, whether that's on stage, on film, in TV, whatever it may be, do you feel like part of that is about finding your personal flow as a performer, whatever that may be? Because I think, again, as an outsider, we hear a lot about... Uh, the needs of an actress, of an actor, of a performer. Mm. So what we see in, in TV, for example, Entourage, a, a show that's been uh, on a lot in this house recently. Yeah. Like you see specific actors be like, I need this in my trailer before I go on. And of course that's like a high level, but I feel like there are little things as well that people might need to find that flow to get that believability, you know? Yeah. So, some people go by routines, by crazy, crazy routines. Mm-hmm. All I would need, well, all I need is preparation. Like Just what type of preparation? know all the information about the character that I have. If it's based on a true, true story, mm-hmm. then I want to know everything because I'll be playing, playing some type of person, you know? I've got to be playing a character. Mm-hmm. And do you like to try to get into that, like, maybe a few days in advance where, like, you're just walking around, someone asks you a question, and all of a sudden it's like you're talking that character's voice for that little sentence. Mm. Oh, I'm doing it all day. Yeah. I'm doing it all day. Yeah, yeah. I, I would start trying to live as that person. Okay. 
Like if if I was given, um, yeah, yeah, a really good part in a TV show, play, film, I would dedicate one hundred percent of my time believing myself to be that person. Exactly. Yes. So I can naturally walk around and have be them. Be yes. Them, you know. Mm. And then when it gets to me getting on stage or in front of the camera and stuff, I've just I'll be very, very nervous before. Always. Always nervous before. Like on like a like a butterfly type nervous. Butterfly, like, yeah. yeah. Wanting to go to the toilet, mm-hmm. wanting to drink like liters and liters of water, you know. Yeah. But as soon as I step on stage or when they say action, that's when it comes out. When so I wanna I wanna continue on this because this is this is so interesting. When when you so action's been said, mm-hmm. now we're rolling. Mm-hmm. You've had you've had these nerves. You've done your preparation. Is it describable what it then does feel like when you actually are in it, or is it this flow state type thing where you're just in it, you're just literally acting, and mm-hmm. then cut, and then all of a sudden you then think, "Holy shit!" Like I've just I've just done this, or are you conscious of what's happening as it's happening? I'd say um, when they say action, right, it's like I'm riding on a wave. Uh huh on a surfboard so so I'm just I just keep on riding but as soon as I fall I'm gonna have to swim back yes. and start again mm-hmm. sort of thing you know so it, I'll be I'll be on a roll I'll, I'll be doing it I'll be in my own flow mm-hmm. and I know this is what I want um, when they say cut I feel like I've, I've done what I need to do mm-hmm. so I've just got to keep thinking about what's next or if we're doing that again yeah i've got to keep on thinking about that so with some people they need this they need that they need that right some people just want to be left alone yes because they also want to they, they want to just keep in that bubble keep in that character exactly so that's what you mean when you say like you just want to um think about what's next or just keep about thinking about what, what's occurring mm. are you thinking about that as tom hassel this person acting, or are you thinking about it as the character still? Like in, yeah. in between takes, for example, is it like, are you thinking about life as Tom or in between takes are you like, I just want to continue to focus in on this person, this character, what's next for this? When I go through my lines, so I'll be saying like muttering the lines over and yes. over. I'll be thinking my, like thinking the thought of, of me acting. Yes. And what you will be saying. Next. Yeah, and what I will be saying. But as soon as I go up and someone talks to me, I'll try my best to have like both characters, like both me and my so, character. Yes, yes, mix. yes. So you can have like a normal interaction. So when someone's exactly. like, hey, how are you doing? Like that looked really good. You're not like, hey, bub. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. I feel like with sport, with music, and with art forms such as um, the stage, mm-hmm. right? Visual mediums, I think something I've been obsessing about this last year or so is that is that flow state is that state of being prepared to a point where you're able to perform without thinking in the traditional sense and when I look at acting especially at like a really high level we watched the other night I had seen before this first time you saw we watched 12 monkeys uh, oh, yeah and yeah. Brad Pitt for example mm-hmm. like the way he plays this character who physically is just going mental but is speaking with a fluency and a coherentness that is like he knows what he's talking about 
while giving a, a completely physical sense of um, absurdity. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I just watch that and I just find, I don't know about you when you see shit like that, but when I see shit like that, I just, I'm like, I wonder how many takes, I wonder how many takes that was. And I wonder what he's like in between takes if he's like, no one fucking talked to me. Like, I need yeah, to be in this. Yeah. I can imagine just Bruce Willis in his like trailer, like, like screaming and like loads of people like, is he okay? Is he all right? It's yeah. his process. Yeah. Yeah. It's just this process. It's crazy. Yeah. I can, I can imagine a lot of actors being like that, being mm. like that, preparing themselves like in, in their, in their trailer, doing their thing, just like trying to keep all, all the madness inside. I, I bet it, I bet it's quite um, harrowing. Mm-hmm. Definitely quite harrowing, definitely for those type of characters because you're trying to make yourself crazy. Mm-hmm. If you're playing a crazy character, you, you're you're trying to make yourself crazy. And you've heard about those times where sometimes that character stays with an actor. Like, that is true because you're changing your state of mind because sometimes that state of mind isn't what what you you are. Yeah. You know? like, so you're yeah. adding you're adding emotions that might actually stay with you. So yeah, I think it's it's quite quite dangerous actually. Yeah. And I bet for Bruce Willis, I bet that was a tough job for him. And I bet there was a few takes where he would be like, "Wait, hold up, hold on, but I've got to sort myself out." I wonder what it's like. I mean, in this movie, Bruce Willis is this uh, pseudo, you know, time traveler. And don't get me wrong, time travel, brilliant. It's sick. Would love to participate. That being said, in the context of this film, those organizing the time travel for Bruce Willis, it's just not in the best shape. No. It's not necessarily going to leave you in the best physical mental state. I wonder what it's like for Bruce Willis on set, hours and hours, doing this work, playing this character, and then going home and just being like, all right, time to make dinner. Like, hey, yeah. what am I going to watch for uh, on TV tonight? Like, I feel like it, it's very hard to it's very hard to get out of that where, and the inverse of that going back again, just as my area... You know, the inverse of that is like you play in a football match or you coach a, a football match after there's obviously a period of reflection, but then after it, it is important to disconnect for a period of time, get away from that before the next session, before the next game. But I don't know how that would work for specific actors playing specific roles where I feel like it's important to just sit in that, you know, and, and stay in that. And it's to your point of it potentially being dangerous. I can definitely understand why someone like Christian Bale, who obviously did some things in between, but over like, let's say an eight year period, not mm-hmm. a long time mm-hmm. at all, placed three different Batman movies that are quite brilliant in my opinion. I feel like it's hard to get out of that. Not just as you're being typecasted from others, but internally you must feel not necessarily that I'm not saying Christian Bale was like, I am Batman, <laughs> but I'm sure it was hard for him to be this person for so long. And then, mm. then to just throw that in the bin and move to the next thing. Yeah, yeah, I bet, I bet it's really difficult for uh, like people in the MCU, like Chris Evans, will mm-hmm. always just be Captain, Captain America. America. Mm-hmm. Like, and I mean, Hugh Jackman, uh, he's he's spent quite quite a few years playing Wolverine. Oh, many years playing Wolverine. Yes, and I think he was the type of person that kind of. I don't know, he cleaned up, it didn't get attached to him, you know? So he was able to go into The Great Showman and play play some kind of singing guy. Uh-huh. But with people that have mainly been typecast, in a way, I bet that sticks with them 
quite a lot. So I don't know. Yeah, well, Christian Bell, he also was in Terminator, wasn't he? I mean, then the machinist. So he's done a lot, a lot of dark work. So I'm guessing that must have, must affect him quite badly. Yeah. Bless. It's a blessing and a curse. The technological evolutions we've been able to witness these last few years in terms of uh, our viewership, mm. especially living in Madrid, the way that you know me and you live, we watch a ton, a ton, a ton, a ton of stuff. We get a ton yeah. of content, all from different angles. Mm-hmm. Last night we watched uh, Fractured. Yeah. Tripped me out. I thought that shit was super weird. Um, I it was and, pretty crazy, yeah. And crazy in the sense of, and I, and I, to be fair, I do like this feeling after I leave movies of being like, I'm kind of pissed off. I was confused. I understand now, but I'm not sure that I like it. <laughs> and I'm, I'm curious in these last few months, especially in this last year or so of quarantine, what are some things that you watched that you felt like were like just criminally either overrated just like people like, but you just thought were garbage or stuff that not a lot of people have maybe spoke about or spoke negatively, negatively about, but you actually really enjoy and why? Oh, oh, actors wise, I think anything with Jason Statham in, uh, uh, yeah. Is, um, is overrated or underrated? Uh, super overrated. <laughs> I agree. Because like, the actor just like being typecast, he's just the same person at the same time. I used to be like that with Hugh Grant. Mm-hmm. Anything with Hugh Grant in Notting Hill. Love Actually. Down. Yeah, yeah. Well. I, I mean, it's a great film. Well, I fucking love Good Love Actually. <laughs> <Of> so. <course. laughs> who's not watching, in the UK, who's not watching that at Christmas? Exactly, yeah. exactly. But um, I always thought that was just Hugh Grant, you know. Um, so someone that I thought was really overrated definitely became... Um, a surprise to me when I watched a gentleman and Hugh Grant plays some yes. kind of cockney gangster. Yes. And his role is very, very weird in that movie. Yeah, yeah, very, very weird. But like some kind of cockney paparazzi mm-hmm. like guy. Yeah, he's brilliant. He's brilliant in it. And so when it came round to the show The Undoing on HBO um, came out and Hugh Grant was there. Like, if I didn't watch that film and saw him out of his typecast, then I probably wouldn't have watched that series. But I ended up watching that series and it was very good. His performance was great. Yeah. I do think it's important to see actors come out of whatever typecast we put them in or they've mm. been put into. Mm. I do think that is very important. I also think it's important because a lot of people like to watch a lot of different stuff and not necessarily just watch a comedy each night or watch a comedy series, but one night it's comedy, one night it's drama, one night it's action. And if you can find an actor and actress that finds their way into each Mm. and you like them in each, well, that's just brilliant, right? Like that's someone for me, all joking aside, I love my boy Jonah Hill. Like Mm. I love, I love, I love Jonah because I can watch a ridiculous action slash war crime movie war dogs mm-hmm. where he's in this role as this person where I'm like, wait a minute, you're the dude from super bad. Mm. How are you doing this now? But you're, you're pulling it off. And yes, I understand it is you Jonah Hill. Cause you do have this larger than life persona and you are this just, you know, huge actor. Yeah. But seeing people go into these different streams, I think is, is great going back to the original person, Jason Statham, for example, 
if I see that he's in the movie, why do I have to watch the movie? I, I know what he's doing. I know yeah. what it is. Yeah, yeah. But there's some people that just, I don't know, like him for who he is and they're stuck by like Jason Statham movies, you know, just mm-hmm. because they like his style. Maybe they kind of, I don't know, want to be him. <laughs> I kind of do. <laughs> there are situations where it'd be beneficial. Yeah. 100%. Um, especially, for for example, getting movies in Jason Statham type movies. If I were him, I'd get those roles. Um, yeah, yeah. I wonder if, as we kind of... As we kind of wrap up this discussion, I wonder if there are a few or, or one maybe tales you can share that from an ex- uh, about experiences you've had on set working in different things that are just like weird. Like just like what's a, what's one of the weirdest tales you've had from being on set? Well, I'd say working in a lot of theatre and education work. Um, I've definitely seen a lot weirder stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, just because when it comes to um, acting for something you're not really enjoying, because some people just don't enjoy that type of work and do it for the money, but at least they're acting. Mm-hmm. There's some people like that. But um, those people, yeah, they put on this kind of mask when they go onto stage, and then when they come back, they're a completely different person and it starts to feel like two battlegrounds sometimes because I was in a lot of um, theatre and education in, in the UK, loads of different types of groups, but one, one group, um, there was a boyfriend and girlfriend who were performing there and like things got quite physical backstage between them two um, where it became quite sexual okay. and and the show was completely fine but everything backstage was was definitely not so fine and so i've experienced a lot of uh drama a lot of fights and shouting and things like that but um, do, do people do people attribute confrontational behavior backstage maybe is there an excuse of like, it's all part of the production. You know, once we step away from this, it's like, of course we're friends, we get on, but like the show's coming out tonight. Like everyone needs to be on it. Let's go, let's go. But so it's okay if I scream at you, if I say this, or is it still like, that's a weird way to behave or that's an odd thing to do? I have experienced that. I've experienced where the drama outside of the theater, the show. Works its way. Shows, yeah, works its way in where... Uh, like a something that was meant to be really nice and heartfelt, like you could tell was definitely poison. You know, it wasn't like I love you, Prince Philip. Please, yeah. please. It would be like I love you, Prince Philip. Like, oh, I see. So you're not acting now. You're 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 just saying that you hate me. Yeah. With your eyes. Thank you. <laughs> so there's there's been a lot of lot of things like that. But um, that makes sense. Nothing too bad. Yeah, but that makes me think of like us watching uh, Barry, the show on the, the show on HBO. Oh yes. Where like they're in this acting class, and and Barry, for the for the sake of context, is uh, the world's greatest hitman, Bill Hader, which I I think is hilarious because when you start the show, it is in no way believable. You're like, this guy is Bill fucking Hader, like he's <laughs> straight comedy, and then after yeah. a season, you're like, Bill Hader, who? This guy's Barry. 
But it's funny how that show does a great job of showing kind of what you're speaking on, how the external world can work its way into the stage in the same way that the pressures and just the you know experiences in daily life can work their way into anyone in their job and affect how mm. they how they perform. But it's funny in the context of acting how it can literally change the tone of a line, you know. Yeah, yeah. Um, I feel like that's that's why again I think for me it, it comes back so many times in in regards to achieving success individually and collectively. I feel like it, it has to come back to that community, to that mm. culture where even if some shit went down at home. When I come to the place to perform and I'm with my other cast members, the energy is such that I find my flow. I find mm-hmm. my way back in. Opposed to I come back onto set and now some crazy shit's happening that makes me feel triggered or like makes me feel weird. And now I'm thinking about this when all I want to do is, as you said before, just think about that next line and what my character needs. Keep riding that wave. Yeah. Keep riding that wave beyond that flow. Exactly. Yeah. I feel like we've covered a lot of what I wanted to ask you about nice, yeah. today. Thanks everyone for listening. Uh, I hope yeah. uh, hope you enjoy. And if anything, this can serve as a little uh, insight into the, the world, the mind of um, an actor. Maybe it's something you want to participate in. Thanks for <laughs> thanks for coming on, Tom. This was great. Thank you.